Okay. Ready? Are you ready? All right. Yep. This is Frank Riker. And this is Darren Sands. And this is a Slaughterland podcast. So, Darren, what's been going on this week with you? Uh, this week, I'm still going through all those Academy movies with my wife. Seen some good ones this week, actually. Promising Young Woman with Kerry Mulligan, mm. uh, which was a really kind of dark, kind of sort of black comedy thriller. I, honestly, I think you would really like it. Do you remember the movie Heathers years ago? Yeah, with Winona with, Ryder. Uh, and the, Winona Ryder, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Very much of that tone. It, it kind of concerns a, a, um, a girl who's probably, I guess she's around about 22, 23, who um, when, we, when we first meet, uh, she's meeting a guy in a bar. She's pretending to be drunk, but we don't know this. Uh, the guy picks her up, takes her home, starts to get down to some action with her, and all of a sudden she snaps out of it completely sober and the story unfolds from there. And it's about her quest to exercise some demons that she has from the past. Mm. Something's happened in her life, a major trauma's happened in her life and she's now kind of trying to put all that right. And it's pretty, it's pretty fucked up, I'll tell you that. It's, uh, it's, it's a brave, brave role for her. Uh, Kerry Mulligan's um, British actress, I'm not sure if you're aware of her. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we both loved it. We thought it was fantastic, and I, I, th- I would imagine that she's going to be in in position for a, for a nomination for sure. Yeah. What is it? Would it be considered kind of like a black black snake moan type movie? Um, I without Samuel yeah, Jackson. <laughs> yeah, uh, kind of, kind of. I really can't think of anything else like it. That's what really drew me to it. I mean, we've had a lot of these movies at the moment where there's there's no particularly white middle-aged males are just the, the kind of target. Mm. And for the last two or three years, you know, we've had these movies that have made white middle-aged males the enemy. And they're pretty much the enemy in this as well. But there's kind of a, there's a reason behind it. And uh, as everything unfolds and you find out what's happened, um, and... Given that, you know, it is, I guess, part comedy, but very, very black humour, it's really appealed to me. And, you know, I'll not say too much else about it, but I think it's available to, to rent in the US at the moment. Um, but it's definitely worth a watch. I think uh, now, in this particular time in our, our history, I think most uh, movie studios are taking chances on some of these uh, lesser-known type stories. They're not following the trilogies of... Mm. of of the old and, and going on with anthologies, they're probably picking mostly uh, book stories, short stories, making them bigger. Because the massive budget epics now of 2020 are gone. They, they never were. They were never coming to screen. So they're yeah, like, I let's, think, I let's think pop something in there. And it sounds like this is the type of movie that they're trying to do. Yeah, and there's a lot of those this year. I mean, there's a lot of movies that have been put on hold that aren't going to qualify for the, for the awards this year. Um, there's a lot of independent productions that are um, that, that are out there. I must say, I, I think I said this the other week, the caliber isn't quite as good as it has been in the past, and that's due to the pandemic. But mm-hmm. you know, there are one or two decent ones out there. You know, you've got 
Nomadland with Francis McDormand, Supernova with Stanley Tucci and Colin Firth, Promising Your Woman. Oh, uh, News of the World. News of the World, yeah. Which I just watched. Did you like it? I thought it was good. I mm. thought it was good, you know. But you know what it is? Tom Hack... Tom... Tom Hack, it's... <laughs> Get out of my head, Tom. Uh, Tom Hanks, I don't think belongs in a western. That's my issue I have with him. Uh, but other than that, um, the little the little girl in there, uh, you know, the little minor speaking role she does have, does a fantastic job of direction. You know, it, it was basically like Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks is the star of it. He does do the role well, but I just don't picture him in that type. You know, it's it's like, uh, could you imagine Clint Eastwood as being Forrest Gump? You know? Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, no, I know. I know exactly what you're saying. I totally understand that. I liked it, though. I liked it. Because there's, there's not really too many roles that Tom Hanks can't be bad at. Hmm. Can't be bad at, I should say. Yeah, yeah. I also finished up watching, um, I, know, I got it the other day, Buried. With Tom uh, Matheson, uh, William Atherton. Oh, you mentioned this last week, didn't you? Jennifer Jason Lee. Yeah. And you know what? And uh, it's it's just as good as I remember as a kid because they were talking. They did a um, an interview with Bill. Um, you know, as, as people know as Peck from Ghostbusters. Yeah, um, and the reporter from Die Hard. Yeah, well, yeah. He when he was doing this movie, he was filming Die Hard Two, so it took okay. place around 1990. But he was saying that back then, television broadcast studios didn't really know what they were. So they were always pushing the envelope. USA Network, TBS, uh, you know, all these new stations that were coming on. So they were looking for these, uh, I guess, nightly TV thriller type movies they were producing. But he said it would be a movie you couldn't air today. Because either though there's no nudity in it, it was so funny. Because either though the picture is is transferred from you know their, I mean, what would be the film type uh, for ni- back in 1990? I would imagine it was. It, it may have been shot on video and with a four to three aspect ratio as well, probably. They transferred it to I guess the to 2K. Okay, uh, yeah, yeah, and made it six uh, made it 16.9. So they, yep. they widened it out. Like so they cropped it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they they they. Uh, they show a part where um, Cortland is the is what who Bill's playing the the, the fucked up doctor. He's he's taking off his, his his robe, ready to pounce on Jennifer Jason Lee, you know as you know as she's accepting it of course because they just killed their husband off, <laughs> and you could see that he wasn't fully naked because his white boxer shorts are right there at the bottom <laughs> of the screen. <laughs> And I was like, oh, so that's why, you know, you made it, you make if you make the screen wide, is it supposed to be the you could see everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's one sick part though, I'll, I'll give really, really quick. Um he's showering, the, the the doctor is showering, not hearing, you know, the old voice uh, tape recording machine, uh answering machine in the background. But he's washed himself so sultry; it's disgusting. Because <laughs> he because he has the shower uh, the shower door where it blurs the image out, and he's like rubbing himself. Like, <laughs> is it like the American Werewolf scene? <laughs> oh, it, it's just. It, but of course, for TV, there's no nudity, just for that blurry part. But no man, you know, goes up and down his legs so softly with a bar of soap. <laughs> But it, guys just do their, their pits and their balls. That's yeah, it. Yeah, that's, that's it. <laughs> you know, and, and they, they, 
They try not to go in the back of the in, in their backside <laughs> too much, <laughs> yeah. you know. But they're just do a little quick rinse and then they'd be done. But, yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. yeah, but if you if it's it's probably online if you find it. I mean, thirty year old movie should probably, and plus a TV movie at that time. Frank Darabont's first directorial review, first movie. So it's actually it's actually quite good. It goes by very quick okay. and I'll quite check good. that out. But now I'm gonna check out the movie you suggested as well. Yeah. No, you should. Uh, I think it's a, it's a good one for you and your, um, for you to get annoyed at, and your wife to sit there with a big smile on her face, or she'll say, "Turn it off." <laughs> <laughs> no, she won't say that. She'll enjoy oh, it. Okay, enjoy I it. hope. Yeah, yeah. You know, because she doesn't really want to watch anything with me anyway, because uh, I'm apparently too sick. <laughs> <laughs> well, after the movie I watched this afternoon, just before we started. I can well understand that you know she would she would think that because you bought it for me. <laughs> well, I'll just say this before we we start our show. Uh, remember, I tried to get her to watch some of Peter Jackson's first movies, which we'll be talking about a later episode. She said, "Shut this fucking shit up." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it wasn't Lord of the Rings, people, but she didn't like Lord of the Rings either. No, no. <laughs> We're an acquired taste. Before we carry on as well, we should say that um, you can reach us on TSL Movie Podcast. This is live, folks. Gmail.com. Uh, and also on the Slaughtered Lamb Movie Podcast Facebook group. Just uh, ping us a, a, a invite request and we'll, we'll accept you and bring you in. And we've got a nice little community growing there. Yeah, apart from Ever-growing ever family. Yeah, yeah. We One guy tried to join overnight who I knocked back we had a troll trying to get in really yeah yeah our first troll um so yeah he was a member of nearly three thousand groups so that that tells you everything you need to know Uh. (laughs) (laughs) so we're never going to get noticed by this guy or the Um, uh, the, or the person with just one picture yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) We, we we try to investigate what what we're getting into (laughs) <laughs> but we can always kick him out, right, Darren? We can always kick people we out. We can do, yeah, but, yeah. you know, I didn't want to go that far. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, Darren, what is it about water that scares people? Is it like space, Personally? you think? Yeah, what do you I think? Don't. There's a well-known Billy Connolly sketch um, from years ago when he talked about going to Australia and how Australia is just full of fucking critters and creatures and animals that just want to bite you or sting you or tear you apart. And I'd never go to Australia for that reason. Likewise, I'm not a massive fan of going in the ocean. And, you know, as he says in his little sketch, we have no business in there. We have no business in the war. It's a completely alien world. And whatever's in there doesn't like sharing its space. And so, for me, I'll go swimming near the shoreline, that's it. Further out, get stuffed. I'm going nowhere near it. <laughs> your, your feet have to touch the sand. Yeah, I have to be in constant touch with the, uh, with the, with the bottom of the uh, ocean all the time. I remember being in Florida. Was it Florida? I can't remember if it was Florida or Mexico. No, it was France. I was in France singing, uh, singing, swimming, <laughs> singing and swimming, um, years ago, and... I remember a guy came past on a little paddleboard and said something in French to me. And I was like, what, what? And he just pointed. And I looked over my shoulder and there was the biggest fucking jellyfish I've ever seen in my life just over my shoulder. I was touching. And and, and this thing was like a, like a, like a 
a plastic bag or something. Do you know what I mean? It was yeah, yeah. hovering there. And so, you know, things like that, I'm just like... Biding oh, its I'm time. Out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so I hate really... I don't enjoy going in the sea. Um, actually, I went swimming with my buddy Alex in Mexico a few years ago, um, and that was cool. That was fine. I was okay with that. But we were pretty close to the shore. Um, but as for going out when you're further out, no, sod that. No way. So, I... As a kid, I wasn't allowed to... I, I could go into the water, but I couldn't get my ears wet because I had ear surgery. I had those little tubes in my ears because my eardrum uh, never closed properly as a kid. So there okay. was, they did surgery uh, in both my ear canals. And these, these tubes, uh, you know, you put them in, you wait for the... It takes about 13 years for the hole to clear up to, get, to actually close. So, so you had... Like things hanging out your ears for 13 years. No, they were inside. You couldn't see them. Oh, they were okay. actually on the drum itself. They look like little X's. So they put them in there. Now, this is the 80s, so technology, I'm sure, is a lot better now. <laughs> yeah. uh, so for 13 years, well, probably more like seven you, years. You, they can probably sort it out in an afternoon now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On lunch break. <laughs> yeah. uh, you couldn't get your ears wet. You know, it's kind of like, you know, when you take a shower, you have a cast on, you have to wrap it up in plastic, don't get the dressing wet, you know, everything will start falling apart. Well, I couldn't get my, my head wet, I couldn't get water in there because water would just go right into the eardrum and I'd be all fucked up and, and you know, I would have to get surgery again. But I was always fascinated with the water because I couldn't do it. You know, my parents always said, don't go in the water, you know, you know, if you're going to go, go in the kiddie pool side. And I'm like the six foot kid, you know, sitting there with like, like little kids. You know, pulling on me, you know, drink, you know, licking ice cream and getting all over themselves. Six and foot kid. Yeah, well, I was you a like pretty tall kid. So, so. Tom Hanks in Big or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or Ox in uh, Escape from New York. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was always fascinated because oh, I wanted to go to the deep end, but I couldn't swim. Of course, if you can't go in the water, you can't swim. And then I remember getting them out. I had to go to the hospital, get put under sedation, get get the, uh, the the surgery done, so my ears were fixed. And automatically, I went into the water, learned how to swim. So I've always been fascinated with the ocean. I wanted to be an oceanographer when I got older, you know. But then they found out it was too much schooling. Uh, I've been to Hawaii what snorkeling. A Matt Hooper. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but without the aura, aurora, or whatever it's called. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you just have uh, dinghy. <laughs> I was fascinated with sharks. You know, it was my favorite, you know, animal in the ocean. Uh, yeah, I, I, I liked the ocean. I loved it. Then you get old enough, and then you find out what's in the fucking ocean. <laughs> and then you're like, Ugh. and it's not from fish or the sea creatures. It's what the people put in the fucking ocean. Oh, yeah. You know, or, or the people were at the end of the shore. And they're, they're hugging each other. And you're like, how come they're not swimming? <laughs> they're just sitting there at the end of the ocean hugging each other. Oh, f- get the fuck out of the ocean. <laughs> you know, you know sh- shit's coming at you. But yeah, I, yeah. I love the ocean. I guess that we were born at that kind of, you know, within those decades, whereas Jaws, which we should probably talk about first because everything else that comes after is probably a pale imitation. You know, Jaws, when that first came out, that didn't do anything for anybody's fear of the water whatsoever. Um, I remember going to see the movie 
with with my dad. I think it was my dad who took me. I was only five years old, and it was on its uh, re-release in 1978. I think it was just before the uh, Jaws 2 movie came out. And in the UK, it was a, a certificate A, which is like the equivalent of a PG these days. And I went to see it, and I couldn't believe what I was seeing. It was just... You know, even nowadays when I watch that movie, I can't believe what I'm seeing because it's such, you know, it's the perfect movie for me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think, you know, up there with Halloween, Jaws is probably one of my, you know, probably in my top three movies. And there's there's all sorts of reasons for that. It's, it's kind of like, you know, the, the, the production itself is famously was, was, was just absolutely plagued with trouble as a lot of water movies have proven in the past, you know. Kevin Costner's Waterworld was a nightmare to make. Jaws was a nightmare to make. And when it came out, it, it defined the word blockbuster. There wasn't really a, a summer movie season before Jaws came out. And it came out in where, wherever it was, I think it was June or July that it was first released, and totally took the, the box office across the world by storm. And so movie, movie makers realized that this was an, an excellent period to release big movies. And so that's when all your summer blockbusters after that started to come out, which was in the summer. Um, but Jaws as a movie, when I first saw it, I guess at the age of five, it stayed with me. But I guess I needed to see it a few more times as I got older for it to sink in properly. And I think the next time that I saw it was in around about 81 or 82 when it was on TV. And the excitement amongst the kids within our school that Jaws was going to be on television because the television network had previewed it for weeks. It was on the cover of the TV magazines. It was everywhere. And everywhere you walked, I just remember walking, wherever I walked at school, somebody would ask you, are you watching Jaws tonight? Are you watching Jaws tonight? It was that big an event. And, you know, I, it, we talk about this a lot, movies that you can never get bored of seeing and movies that you will purchase over and over again and movies that you will always take a look at whenever you're channel hopping. Jaws is that perfect movie. Absolutely. It is. Perfect movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even with the, with the cuts that we saw, you know, with, uh, with, with, with Quint, you know, uh, heckling the boy, you know, and, and the music and... Yeah, that that is a. Um, I think that was shot for the TV version, wasn't it? Yeah, the ABC yeah. TV version, the the music shop that because Quint I think uses piano wire, doesn't he? For his fishing um, lines, for his for, for fishing line for the bigger sharks, and he goes into this uh, music shop, and there's a kid. Um, he's playing on a clarinet or something, isn't he? What is that music? I can't remember now. It's it's uh, he's he's practicing something that you know a, a kid would Familiar. practice on. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like like uh, someone for uh, on the piano would probably do chopsticks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's Quinn, you know, going fucking him up. <laughs> How are you, Katie? Looking well. Thank you. Four spools of piano wire, number 12. Sure. What do those fish do? Eat that stuff? Well, they choke on it. Ba 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 ba!
it's it's funny because you're right. It is. It's it's almost like that movie that became a happy accident. A lot of stuff mm. they couldn't use, and, and it was such a, a a movie that they 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 fucked up so many times. Like one cut scene where the uh, lifeguard or the uh, scoutmaster is helping him trying to take uh, when we first actually see the shark. He was supposed to carry Michael, save his life, right, and push him to yeah, the boat. Yeah. They cut yeah. that out. Yeah. You know, and uh, and rightly so. I think his leg just dangling down in the bottom of the seafloor was good enough. Uh, but like we all say, you know, with that movie, the less you see, the more thrilling it is. And and Jaws hits home for me perfectly because it's actually based upon a couple shark attacks that happened at the Jersey Shore. That's where Peter Benchley is. Isn't it kind of near, yeah. near you? Bruce the shark is actually from New Jersey people. <laughs> wow, he's he, that was well, that's what it was based on back in the fifties. You know, everyone uh, I think it was the fifties. If not, I, I stand corrected. Uh, but yeah, people were getting picked off left and right. I think it was during the time where men wear one piece bathing suits and had the big beach ball on the side. You know what I mean? And the handlebar mustaches. <laughs> <laughs> and, the, and the women went in with their petticoats with uh, swimsuits. <laughs> no ankle. <laughs> don't show any ankle. Yeah, but Jaws is great. I don't think we need to discuss anything more about Jaws, right? No, I, mean, I don't. I mean, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge sucker for Jaws. Anything or every and everything that comes along in terms of when it gets a new release and, you know, oh, they've got an extra two minutes of something that you've never seen before, an interview. I've got to see it. I've got to, you know, it's, a, it's probably the most quoted movie. What they've done to it recently in terms of the 4K restoration and... and and, and mix and everything is just stunning and and you know again I'll never ever tire of watching and indulging in that that movie and its production. How many copies of Jaws do you own? Oh, I've thrown away more than I can remember. I think um, I think the best version that I ever had was probably about twenty years ago, and I I stupidly sold it. I had a laser disc player. And they brought out a, uh, like a, a, I think it was Criterion Signature Collection or something. And it had the soundtrack, it had the book, it had, it was the first time that we'd ever seen those deleted scenes. Um, it had a, a two hour documentary on there, which I don't, not sure whether you've seen it in its entirety since. They keep just hacking it down. And it was a beautiful box set with a book and all that kind of stuff. And when I sold the Laserdisc player, um, probably in the mid 90s or something like that as a kind of carrot to get more people interested in it I threw in this fucking box set of Jaws and I was just like now when I look back and I go on eBay it's worth a fortune Ugh, it's worth it an the heart, doesn't fortune it? <laughs> yeah yeah and I gave it away with a bloody laser disc player but anyway uh, thankfully they've done some excellent versions in the last few years and and uh, I've probably got about four versions of it at the moment. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I have the, just the, the DVD. Then I got the, the Blu-ray, which I thought was fantastic. And then the 4K came out, which became a little bit better. But, you know, you, you see differences. Yeah, um, yeah. I can't imagine them going to 8K and then 62K and 32K. <laughs> you know, it's just it's I, I think they should just stop where it is. Unless you said newer footage comes out, maybe yeah, yeah. you know a lost interview with Robert Shaw that would be awesome. Yeah, uh, 
It you know. They don't need to do anything with it now until a new no. format comes out. That's no, it. no, unless they get you know. I mean, just just like a lot of people say, can, and when you get in, stand on the beach yourself and watch everything, you know, yeah. you and I will probably be in wheelchairs at that point. Yeah. <laughs> uh, who knows? But yeah, Jaws is fantastic. I mean, uh, what 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 is there not to say? about Jaws that isn't yeah, great it's, 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 it's too much for us to go on I mean we could go on forever about it but we'd just be repeating information oh yeah uh, it's, there's it's, so much it's... out there on this movie um, so you know so what was your first uh, watch this week so I did a universal monster a classic the creature from the black lagoon 1954 That this actually was my first introduction to anything underwater uh, my dad showed it to me. I believe I was like three or four years old. You know, that's where usually you pick up your first memories around that age and still remember them. So that that starred, uh, you know, Rachel Carlson and the very beautiful Julie Andrews, who was really considered the first, I guess, black-haired bombshell. Mm-hmm. I mean, she was she was she was sexy in that movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, originally originally filmed in 3D. It was like the 50s was that big 3D kick. You know, shoot everything in 3D. And then nobody saw it, so they went back to uh, 2D. And then they re-released it again in, in the um, late 50s, early 60s to that red and blue 3D format. And everyone's like, oh, I'm getting blind by wearing these fucking glasses. <laughs> uh, now, the, the Gilman, he was played by Ben Chapman on land and uh, Rick Browning in the water. Because he was a he was the one who can handle the scuba diving and everything. So, but Ben Chapman is really uh, um, credited for being the Gill Man. Now, I found out that the Gill Man was actually designed and created by one of Hollywood's first female special effects artists, Millicent Patrick. She's a controversial figure because she worked for Walt Disney at the time. Um, but everyone she met either committed suicide or got divorced because she seemed to have a lot of affairs uh, with studio execs. And people can look that up if you want. She was never credited till later on after people started doing investigating and uh, said who really designed this. But Bud Westmore, famous from the Westmore uh, special effects artist family, she was, they're actually credited with doing the Gilman uh, suit and design, you know, which is awful. I think it's because of her affairs and everything that they had, and they didn't want to have put a stain on the, on the show, uh, on the movie. They totally took her off the credits. Yeah. Yeah. Because of her. She wasn't her, her extracurricular activities, you know, but this is the 50s, of course. Yeah. You yeah, know. Yeah. Women uh, to do that then. Yeah. Yeah. It, was, it wasn't the man's fault. Uh, bunch of jerks Uh, but Ben Chapman actually said in that suit he was in it for 14 hours and he was so hot they had hoses running through him and to the point where it it got so hot that the hoses weren't working he just jumped in Universal's man-made lake and stayed in there and he just said call me when I'm ready he just sat there just trying to keep cool Uh, it was horrible to to look out that uh, that head that he had on that he actually in the movie was carrying Julie Andrews and hit her head on the side of the cave is it Julie Andrews Julie Andrews yep Ju- not Mary Poppins no, no different Julie Andrews oh okay <laughs> <laughs> not Shim Shimmery I was thinking, no 
Is, is, is Frank saying this right? It's Julie Andrews. Julie Adams. Julie Adams! <laughs> there you go. Julie Adams. Why did I get Julie Andrews? Correction, folks. Julie Adams. <laughs> Mary Poppins can certainly kick the creature of the Black Lagoon's ass. <laughs> We all know we all know the story of the creature of the Black Lagoon. You know it's kind of like Beauty and the Beast. Uh, they find a fossil that, of maybe the the, uh, the creature's relatives, or who knows what the, they find a hand basically of the creature, and you know a um, Beauty and the Beast thing happens. You know he kills a couple uh, sailors and uh, scientists. You know he goes after the woman, and uh, they wind up killing him at the end. The end. That's basically yeah. it. What really struck me about it when I first saw it, and I saw it as a kid first, was the design of the creature. Around about 6 p.m. on a Tuesday night in the UK in the early 80s, they would run monster movies. So you would get things like War of the Worlds and Gorgo mm-hmm. and, you know... 50-foot man or... Yeah, 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 all that kind of stuff. Godzilla yeah. and, you know, all, that, all those things. I remember seeing Creature from the Black Lagoon at the time then as a kid. And I had a black-and-white TV at that point. So um, it didn't make any difference to me that it was black and white, as it does with a lot of kids today, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I loved it. And then I think it may have been about 10 years after that, and I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but John Carpenter all of a sudden was attached. I'm going to get to that. <laughs> oh, okay. So I'm jumping the gun. Okay, please continue. Yeah. So it, it spawned two sequels, The Revenge of the Creature and The Creature Walks Amongst Us. You know, they were like a year and two years apart from each other. But Darren, this is where it breaks my heart. And probably might break your heart too. We know that the Gill Man is a universal monster. Yeah. You know, part of their universal monster, um, you know, lineup along with, you know, the Wolf Man, you know, the Mummy, uh, Frankenstein's monster. But get this. 1982, John Landis was involved and hired people to make the remake for Universal. Universal didn't want to go through with it because they thought it would conflict with their Jaws 3D movie. <laughs> 1992, oh. John Carpenter with Rick Baker. Canceled. Canceled. 1995, a script was written and offered to Peter Jackson, but he decided not to do it and focus on King Kong. Oh. 1996, Ivan Reitman planned to direct but canceled. 1999, now this is the part where everything, where you get close to maybe a possible remake. 1999, The Mummy becomes a success. The, the, you know, that, that, that actual mummy with Brendan Fraser, uh, you know, it, everyone's like, let's get the movie monsters out now. Now's the time. Strike while the iron's hot. 2002, Universal hires a director to write and direct a script. But the director and the studio clash and cancel the movie because of the director's, uh, you know, way he wanted to go. Fast forward to that same director. 2017, Guillermo del Toro makes The Shape of Water. Uh. Wins the Oscar for Best Director, Best Picture, (laughs) Best Score, Best Production. That one breaks the heart. (laughs) I do love The Shape of Water, though. You know, it is his letter. That was his direction that he wanted to take. Yeah. 2005, a director was found, but the writer's strike in 2007-2008 happened. Cancelled. 2009, another project abandoned in 2011, though, that same project. 2012, a script was already but cancelled in 2014. And then this is the creme de la creme. 
2017, Tom Cruise's Mummy came out and stopped everything. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Universal. This 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 Universal monster has been chewed up and spat out more than any Universal monster. Damn you! Uh, Look at all it, that shit I listed. It, it is incredible, and you know, it is one of those. I guess it would be a gamble for any studio to make a film like that um, because essentially it's a man in a rubber suit um, but the way Guillermo del Toro did it was fantastic I love the love that. story yeah and a love letter to the creature from the Black Lagoon it was his favorite monster he said it was his favorite yeah. monster yeah. yeah but thank you Universal you just push an Oscar winner out the <laughs> door. You think they you think they kicked themselves in your in your line of work? Do you, I would have thought so. Yeah. You think studios yeah. are like, fuck? Why the hell? Yeah, yeah. Fire that fucker. Yeah. <laughs> Who's decided yeah. to do that? Yeah. But you know, but it happens all the time, doesn't it? It does. It happens it all does. the time. I mean, it plus does. there's there's a lot of what they call um, when a script is blacklisted. That means it's bought, but nothing's it, it, ever. Yeah. It, they put things in turnaround all the time, so they invest so much money into them, develop them almost to the point of being shot, and then they put them in turnaround and sell them to another studio. Um, and that happens a lot with movies, yeah. you know. A lot of movies are probably sitting in there. They have a movie theaters have the rights to them that they probably had the rights for sixty years. Yeah, they haven't yeah. done anything to them. But yeah, so I got the heartbreak out of the way, <laughs> Darren. I have you're to. I have to say, I recently, somebody recently bought me, must be, I don't know, maybe in the last five years, bought me a polarized 3D version of Creature from the Black Lagoon in black and white. And I watched it and it looked absolutely fan-fucking-tastic. It looked incredible. You know, in black and white and all its glory, the 3D, it was almost like you could dive into the screen. It just probably because it was black amazing. If it was colored, probably yeah. all. Yeah. Uh, so it was great to be able to. I no longer have a 3D television. They've stopped making them now in the UK. Um, so I'm not able to watch it anymore in that format. But um, I did enjoy it, I must admit. It's, it's a good movie. It's a good Universal Monster. It deserves yeah. more love. Yeah, I believe. Yeah, Werewolf movies sure. can come out all the time. Vampire, Dracula movies, you know, you can do that all the time. Frankenstein, your Frankenstein's monster, that's kind of a touchy subject too. Uh, the Mummy, anytime. I think these I think this one deserves a remake, but ladies and gentlemen, I think the Shape of Water is the closest we're ever gonna gonna come. Him and his, you know, rotten eggs that he loves to eat. Um, <laughs> you know, but it but the Shape of Water is a fantastic story as yeah, well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Ladies and gentlemen, if you're going to watch a sequel to The Creature of the Black Lagoon, watch The Shape of Water. Thank you, Universal. <laughs> All right, Darren, next one you watched. So for me, uh, another one that I saw as a kid, just in the video shop with a friend browsing, and was attracted to the cover. Um, and this is Joe Dante's Piranha from 1978, mm -hmm. which has actually spawned two remakes and so one was in 1996, I believe, yep. with William Catt. And it was fucking awful. Absolutely <laughs> appalling. Terrible. Terrible. Even the greatest American hero could save it. No, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other one, of course, which was uh, Alexandra Arja's remake, which is fantastic in, uh, I think that was around about 2010. 
um, and I thought did a really good job of kind of reinventing the um, the IP. But the original, the 1978 version, which is again directed by Joe Dante, uh, it was around about I think it was around about 660k budget for a 30 day shoot, and it obviously came off the back of Jaws um, with you know some Roger Corman investment. But when you look at the cast and crew of this movie, it's a really good pedigree. And it's full of people that went on or already had done amazing things, but also went on to do amazing things as well. So Bradford Dillman is the main star. He was kind of like second or third choice. Um, he's been around, you know, he'd been around since the sort of late 50s and 60s. He's dead now, unfortunately. He died um, a few years ago and died within the space of um, a month of his co-star, Heather Menzies, mm-hmm. in Piranha. The two of those guys probably didn't go on to do much else after Piranha, um, but Dick Miller, who's in it, we all know Dick Miller from... Steals the show. Exactly. <laughs> and and Kevin McCarthy as well, who's uh, another Joe Dante regular. But also, it was written by John Sayles, who's written, I don't know, he wrote Lone Star and The Howling and Alligator, another underwater terror, which I was going to watch, but I couldn't find it anywhere. We, we might be able to get a... Um... Uh, part two in here, maybe later on this uh, yeah, another season. Yeah, yeah. there's so much to do it. with underwater. Yeah, there's no there's no Blu-ray available, and there's no it's not available on any streaming service, uh, and it's years since I've seen it. So, but I need to kind of watch it again before we we talk about that. But yeah, Rog Corman produced it. Um, B movie extraordinaire. Um, it's got a really haunting score, which mm-hmm. um, hopefully I can track down and add to this. Um, by a guy called Pino DiMaggio. He also had input on things like Howling and Carrie and Body Double and Dress to Kill. Um, so all kind of horror movies around the same sort of time. Uh, and a 17-year-old Rob Bottin, who did the makeup effects. 17! Rick Baker was due to do the, the makeup effects, but um, handed it over to, to Rob Bottin, who... Uh, also went on to do The Howling and um, Thing and Robocop and all those other great movies. But also, if you look at, if you scour the credits as well, Chris, we were saying it wrong to begin with, Chris Wayless is involved in the production as well. So that's, it's, it's got a great pedigree. Uh, and the story concerns a, um, a, a, miss, a couple go missing uh, and, a, and a private investigator tries to track them down. She goes into the, I think it's like a mountainous area in it's like Carolinas or something. So yeah, it's, I can't remember exactly where it's set, but yeah, mate, let's say it's Carolina, some mountainous area, um, and they're tracking them down, and they come across like a, a research facility which has a like a pool, and this research facility has been used to, to genetically enhance piranha, and they bred them for the Vietnam War. I think they bred them mm-hmm. to, to, uh, for the Vietnam War to put into their rivers to kind of fuck up their eco chain and and food supply and all that kind of thing. But obviously the war's over, and there's still some of these piranhas left that are in this pool. Bradford Dillman and Heather Menzies want to find out what's in the bottom of the pool, whether the bodies are there or not, and so they drain the pool which then leads to all the piranhas being released into the local river. And then from then on, you've got all sorts of... You've got kind of uh, summer camps and, and water parties and all that kind of thing that the, the the piranhas start to attack. It kind of ups the ante in the gore stakes compared to Jaws. It's not quite as tense. It's not. It hasn't got the, the star power. It hasn't got the... 
uh, the the John Williams score. It hasn't got um, you know the, the the backing of a of a huge uh, Hollywood studio, but it's a good effort. And when it was being released, and I think I've briefly mentioned this some time ago, when it was being released, Universal tried to tried to stop it from being released, and they 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 got the lawyers out saying that they were there was some sort of copyright infringement, um, and. Spielberg actually went to an advanced screening of it, loved it, absolutely loved it, went back and convinced Universal to to take the the lawsuit away. And so, you know, from that was born this relationship between Joe Dante and Spielberg, which then obviously went on to the likes of Inner Space and Gremlins and the Twilight Zone movie and all that kind of thing. But Piranhas are... Whilst it's kind of sort of interlaced with humour, it's very unsettling in parts, particularly in the last half hour when, you know, small kids are being ravaged by these piranha fish. They wouldn't do that today. They wouldn't do that today, no. And, you know, whilst you can... Some of of the shots of the piranhas are are pretty hokey and, and, you know, they look like silhouettes somebody's drawn on the screen. There are actually some shots which are actually really unsettling with... You can see piranhas biting into the flesh of kids and, and adults and, and, you know, it's... It and hear looks, the sound of it, right? And the sound of it chomping <laughs> away, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 pretty... Um, it's pretty near the knuckle in some of the parts. And again, that kind of eerie one-note score that's, that's in the background throughout all these attacks. Um, it's a film that really stayed with me as a kid and, you know, given the... The pedigree of it, you know, the Joe Dante, the, the Roger Corman, obviously you can't, you know, he's famous for churning out all sorts of B and C movies. But I think this sits there as one of the stronger B movies at the time. Certainly one of the better Jaws rip-offs anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, kudos to Spielberg for for getting this release out. Because if he, if he hadn't have convinced Universal to stop the lawsuit, who knows what would have happened with the film. You're absolutely right because uh, you and I had talked about this before. Uh, every director or writer who accepts an award always cites Roger, you know, for pushing the envelope and working with what they have. Uh, yeah. Just like, oh, you know, I got this uh, one guy, I think, when he, we accepted his uh, Academy Award for, um, um, I guess, best screenplay, uh, it was a group. He said, this was fantastic. I got to sit next to my hero, Roger Corman. You know, and uh, and if people want to know who Roger Corman is, you know, without looking him up, he's actually the uh, FBI director in Silence of the Lambs in the beginning. Yeah, that's that's Roger Corman. Yeah, it's it, he's getting up there in the years. I think he's in his nineties. Oh, he's old now. Yeah, yeah, uh, but he's still actively involved in film. Um, Dick Miller, like you said, steals the show because he's the what is he like the the mayor or the like a sheriff who. He's trying to like cover the all this crap local up. entrepreneur, is yeah, it? yeah, yeah. He's like, it, but don't but hate flowers or but <laughs> I can't remember what his name is now, but he's like, um, yeah, the, he's a buck shit kicker, you know, who <laughs> yeah, because yeah, he does have this big ass cowboy hat on, um, yeah, yeah. You know, then you have the general in there who's you know, as everyone's getting attacked by the piranha, and you hear them, they sound like a swarm of bees. <laughs> they, do. Uh, they actually, they actually used a, a dentist drill. They put really? a dentist drill und- underwater. <laughs> they put a dentist drill underwater and then slowed it down. So you get that. Noise. There you are, ladies and gentlemen. Another reason to go. They hate the dentist. You know, piranha <laughs> are coming at you. 
uh, but the general in there, uh, you remember everyone's trying to get on the, on the yeah, yeah. platoon the platoon boat. He's he's pushing them off. People be, yeah, get the fuck out of here. Throwing them back in. <laughs> well, he gets his just desserts as well. Yeah, but yeah. I was I found the one scene quite disturbing was the investigator saying, "I'm trying to give you hints to get underneath your sheets." <laughs> There's no woman that would say that. I'm throwing you hits here. <laughs> but the guy's more interested in his moonshine. But one yeah, of the yeah. goriest uh, scenes of that movie is where uh, his friend, the, the gentleman's friend, they're going to go to his area, his place. He's been with attacked the by the piranha. With the dog. Got, yeah, with the, with the, with the dog, yeah. You know, the uh, Australian cattle dog. Uh, he uh, His legs are all gnawed off. <laughs> yeah, he drags himself out of the water with, with just... Skeleton legs. Oh man! <laughs> there's one shot as well. I'm not sure if you're aware, but there's there's a shot where the adults are getting attacked at the water party, and it kind of it cuts from one scene. I think they're trying to race there in the police car. It cuts back to the water party, and there's a body that's full on in the camera, a face, and again you get that kind of uh, ominous, bloody, eerie tone snore that they've got. I mean, the body's disgusting. It's half its face has been eaten away, but it's actually Rob Bottin's a mold of his head. Really? That was used. Yeah, yeah. Is that the one that's like floating? Yeah, it's like dropping yes. in the water. Yeah, the, yeah. You saw like the skeletal bone yeah, in the yeah. air with the sun. Yeah. It is also one part in there that made me laugh, and, and I'm sure you know this, and it made you laugh too. Three consecutive jump scenes between the the cop car, the jet ski, and a boat. All racing. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're all racing to get yeah. to the water park. Yeah. There's a jump yeah. scene, then a jump scene, then another jump yeah. scene. <laughs> and did you notice that the actual, the, the, the speedboat that runs into the uh, the other boat, um, the de- the, they detonated the boat the too early. Water. So it explodes <laughs> before the speedboat even hits it, which always made me laugh. Great classic campy B-movie fun, isn't it? Yeah, it's oh, terrific. Piranha is... Piranha I don't, re-releases. I think they've done a couple. I don't think they did a, a, a 4K one though, or a Blu-ray. They've certainly done a Blu-ray. They have. They I'm done not the sure Blu-ray. Whether it's 4K or not, but they, um, I've got a few versions of it. And the best version that I have, unfortunately, because of all the extras it has with it, mm-hmm. it's four to three for some reason. They didn't do it in widescreen. Wow. So I've kept it anyway over the years, just because of all the there's a commentary on it and there's extras and there's. B, uh, B-roll footage from the sets and all that really cool stuff um, but uh, unfortunately I don't watch the actual film on there because of the ratio it just I just annoys the fuck out of me it is certainly, <laughs> it is certainly a movie that every A-list Hollywood director has cited as being an inspiration yeah yeah like you said Steven Spielberg Joe Dante you know it's, yeah, it's, yeah. They, everyone including you and I have had fond memories of watching that yeah, no, absolute fond memories. And um, yeah, I shall, I shall again, and I'll keep saying this, I'll always watch it. It's one of those movies that's, that's up there. And I recommend it to everybody, even if you've seen the remake, which, again, Alexander Ayersha, he's, he's one of my favorite horror directors at the moment. You know, The Hills of Eyes, uh, Piranha, Switchblade Romance, uh, Crawl even, mm-hmm. he did Crawl. Um, he, he did a great job with that remake and that obviously spawned a sequel which he didn't want anything to do with Piranha 2 what was it? Two? Double D 
double D or something. I, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Three <laughs> double, double D. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was junk anyway. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, for those of our listeners who haven't seen it, check it out. You might be surprised. You might be surprised. If, if Jaws is too gory to let your kids watch, let them watch Piranha. It's a, it's a little bit more subtle. <laughs> uh, so Darren, next on my list is, I know you like this movie just as much as I do. 1998's Deep Rising. I think, yeah. this, is a, I think this is a fantastic movie. And anyone who hasn't seen this, you're doing yourself a disservice. Um, <laughs> released by Hollywood Pictures, starring Treat Williams. That's his name. Treat. Not Treat Trent. Williams. Treat. Uh, Femke Johansson, you know, as everyone will know. Oh, as, uh, lovely. Yes, as uh, she's uh, Jean, uh, Jean, Jean, Jean Grey. Yeah. Jean Grey. She was Xenia Onatop in um, GoldenEye. Which conflicted with this movie with that role. She, They thought she was going to be too recognizable. And they didn't want her to star in it. Oh wow! Uh, they thought she was going to take away the mo- from the movie, yeah. uh, but no, she did it. And uh, Anthony Heald as uh, another Silence of the Lambs alum. You know, mm-hmm. he's the doctor uh, yeah. that keeps uh, Hannibal Lecter locked up, and uh, and also uh, Wes Studi. Wes Studi. Wes Studi. Last of the Mohicans. Wes Studi. Yeah, yeah. And uh, directed by Stephen Salmers. Uh, Steven Summers, who did the the mummy, the mummy, yeah. So, what it deals with is that you know these mercenaries hire hire Treat and his uh, crew Finnegan to go find the ship, which they really don't know what they're doing there. But it all comes down to a guy trying to blow up a ship for the insurance money because the ship, this luxury liner that he built, where there's gambling and, and everything a person could want. This luxury liner is is really too expensive to operate. So what is the uh, what does the guy do? The guy who owns his ship, uh, Anthony, he stops it, waits for the mercenaries to come there and blow it up. This way he can get the insurance cash for it. But once he stops it, this deep sea creature comes up and just wrecks havoc with all these tentacles, you know, going everywhere. Mayhem's and soothing, you know, uh, and, and Someone gets sucked through the toilet because of a technical bullet it through. <laughs> uh, it's absolutely great fun. And I don't think a lot of people have actually seen it. Uh, and these peop- these technicals actually swallow people alive, yeah. you know, and digest them. And one of the best parts is when we saw that guy getting digested and regurgitated when they cut up yeah. the tentacle. And he's coming out and he's all half slimed and, <laughs> and disintegrating right before our eyes. Uh, Dean Cundy was a second unit. Uh, was the second unit on it? Was he really? Yeah, as we oh, know from Halloween. That. Yeah, and, and, and Back to the Future. Uh, Rob Bottin was a special effects designer on it. He's not credited, but you know he was saying, "Oh, your monster should look like this and that." Yeah, yeah. Uh, very CGI, but very good CGI. I think some of the things I found out: Harrison Ford was uh, tapped to be the lead. Was going to be Finnegan. Wow, Harrison well, Treat, Ford. Treat Williams is a kind of poor man's Harrison Ford, isn't he? He's a sort of- he does a very good job in this, doesn't yeah. he? He's that, <laughs> you know, as he says, you know, his tagline: "If the cash is there, we don't care." Yeah. Uh, you know, he and he does justice to that role. They're you know, playing the campy, you know, hey guys, you know, we got to get the fuck out of here. How about a gun or two, you know, kind of thing. But Harrison Ford, you know, said hell no. Uh, so that the, they saved a little bit on the budget 
uh, with that. And uh, but what does he do, Harrison Ford? He does uh, Force Awakens, being chased by a big creature with tentacles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and in, uh, an insider creature in Empire Strikes Back, I believe, right? Wasn't he going yeah, to the yeah. rock creature? Yeah. Was yeah. That was another creature. Um, but. You and I both love this movie. It's can't be fun, right? It's a sea monster. It is. Uh, it is. It's Roger Ebert. It's on his one of his most hated movies list of all time. He absolutely hated this movie. Entertainment Weekly, the BBC, everyone hated this movie except for Bloody Disgusting. Bloody Disgusting loved it. They thought oh, it's it right up there, Ali. Ah, oh, he said it was. They said it was fantastic, and. Um, for some of the water scenes, they built a 600,000-gallon tank wow. you know, to, to film jet skis, you know, outrunning the tentacles and everything. Uh, yeah, that's it. I, my, see, I haven't seen it for a, probably nearly 20 years, I guess. But you remember um, some of it, right? I do, I, the guy I, falling I, out? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, and I remember the... It isn't the ending. He He's on a jet ski with her on the back, and they're racing their out of a ship, is it? Yeah. And the explosion's following them out. Yeah. They do a big old Tentacles are trying to chase them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because I forgot to tell the listeners that the the tentacles are attached to a bigger monster. It almost Mm. looks like a dog. (laughs) (laughs) You know, he's got these big eyes and everything. But the the monster's got to be at least, what, like a couple hundred, uh, maybe like a hundred feet big? Maybe. He's huge. He's about the size of a humpback whale. uh, But bigger than a humpback. Uh... So these, these tentacles acts as, act as part of his digestive system. But they built a 600,000-gallon 600, drum for all their close-up water scenes. It broke. It busted. and flooded several bo- uh, blocks of the studio. Oh, wow. <laughs> Could you imagine doing a scene and looking your knee deep in water? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's, it didn't do quite as good at the box office. It was quite expensive. It was like 50 to 80 million to make, but only made 40. Uh, but I think it's a cult classic. I think it's gone on to be a cult classic. Yeah. Uh, I absolutely love this movie. It's, uh, fun. it's fun, right? It's, it's, it is fun, for sure. You know, but that's that's deep rising. If anyone hasn't even checked it out, if you're a Halloween fan and, and a, it's not like Silent Rage, uh, but... You know, but if you like Dean Cundy and if you like something to kill a rainy day, check out Deep Rising. You won't be disappointed, I promise you. Yeah. No, I, I totally uh, support that. I think, you know, when I remember when I first saw it, thinking, you know, it's a B movie, but it's a, it's a good B movie. It's a decent B movie. It's like a B plus movie, right? It's yeah. Up there. It's almost so. could have been an A, yeah. but, you know, it's. It's that kind of early days of CG, but it's decent, you know. And uh, what was his name? Kevin O'Connor? Yes. He was in Lord of Illusions and everything as the comic relief. He does yeah. a good job in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, what do you got next? What's coming so up? So next, oh, God. Um, I, again, in a film that I saw years ago, um, and then I saw last year on Netflix. It's a movie, it might be called something different depending on where you're listening, but I think its original title was Humanoids from the Deep. Mm-hmm. Um, and in some regions it's called monster um and it's a 1980 kind of jaws ripoff uh that the movie was kind of coming out on the sort of tail end of the of the jaws fad um and the dawn of the kind of slasher fad 
And so what you have is you have a kind of mishmash of a uh, sea creature that can come out onto land and kill on land. <laughs> Killer salmon, isn't it? Killer salmon. Oh. Uh, genetically enhanced uh, a, a, a salmon that are bred with humans. It, it, it's obviously gone wrong somewhere. I, I think that the whole idea was to genetically enhance these these salmon to kind of save their their little fishing industry uh, in, within this small town, and it all goes wrong. And you have these kind of like poor man's creatures from a black lagoon that rise from the ocean and 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 terrorize this kind of small. Um, fishing village. Almost like the Tar Man from Return of the Living Dead with a yeah. fish head on it. Yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. Uh, it stars Doug McClure, and, uh, who's famous for doing a lot of these kind of, you know, monster movies with men in rubber suits. I think he, you know, when you look back, he, he did a load of stuff in the sort of 60s and 70s, like um, To the Earth's Core and The Land That Time Forgotten, The People That Time Forgotten, you know, all the Big all Western these guy. Big yeah, yeah, and he was a big yeah, he was a big Western guy as well, and and also Anne Turkle, who's Richard Harris's uh, or was Richard Harris's wife at the time, and it was her first film that she'd done without Richard Harris. She'd done three movies with him, and and this was her first one outside of that. But uh, it's actually directed by a, a woman, believe it or not, called Barbara Peters, who's a, a nobody really, a TV director uh, from the sort of seventies and eighties. Uh, and again, Roger Corman, who was who was kind of partly behind Piranha, he he was a, a producer of it. Now, this is pure exploitation in terms of uh, exploiting the female form and also exploiting, you know, uh, gore. There's some again. I think it's Rob Bertine again who's involved yes, in the effects. Yeah. Um, Joe Dante actually turned this down. He uh, he was offered it, I think, soon after Piranha, and decided, you know, this is too similar to the shit that I've I'm just done. Got. I'm done with water. Yeah, I'm done with fucking genetically mutated salmons and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm done fucking with fish. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's 82 minutes long. It it kind of it rockets along, um, but it's one of those movies that's so bad it's kind of good I mean when I watched it for the fir- for the second time which was last year on Netflix and I still think it's on Netflix now I sat and watched it with my wife I was quite horrified by some of the sequences in it and when you actually especially with it being directed by a woman because these these monsters come out of the sea and um, they basically rape the female inhabitants of the island and quite graphically as well and that was, a lot of that was down to Roger Corman because they, they made the, the film. He looked at it and he turned around and said, right, we need more, we need more boobs in this. So you need to go away to this, this female director, go away and reshoot some of these sequences, but with more boobs. I want to see more boobs. Be movie. <laughs> Be movie. And she refused. She said, no, I'm not doing that. This is my film and, and I'm not doing it. So he got another director, an uncredited director, to go off and do the reshoots. Now, the reshoots are so bad. I mean, they stick out like a sore thumb. In some sequences, the grain of the movie is completely different mm-hmm. uh, where the reshoots are inserted. And in some sequences, it's not even using the same woman that was in the original version of the film. So, you know, it, 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 it does jar a little bit. I think 
some of the cast as well even decided to, and Turtle in particular, she she was horrified with what Corman did with it. And she she tried to get her name removed off the off the credits, but unfortunately that didn't happen and, and she still remains. But yeah, a lot of the cast and the crew uh, and the original director uh, horrified with the way it turned out. And it is pretty graphic for that type for for that timeline for that for that timeline but for for no real reason you just have like monsters reaching out and pulling bikinis off left right and center it's just no need for it at all watching it now it feels kind of offensive mhm frank's just nodding and smiling <laughs> i'm trying to be good here <laughs> But it does. It does. It's it's unnecessary. It's absolutely unnecessary. And the, the fact that you can tell where these shots have been sort of added in does nothing for the film whatsoever. Um, does it advance the story? It, no, it doesn't do any of it. Not at all. Not at all. And, you know, they, they actually only had one working humanoid outfit. They had three in total. One was fully functioning, and they they looked pretty fucking awful, I have to say. As Frank said, a tar man with a with a helmet or something. It's just weird, isn't it? Fish head on it. Fish head on it. Yeah. There's, there's even a scene in the movie where as Anne Turkle, who's playing this scientist, this doctor, she decides to do um, a sketch of the creature that based on somebody's description of it, and and she says, "Is, is this what it looks like?" And my God, this sketch is fucking amazing. But she's drawn the creature from the Black Lagoon. It's like a professional <laughs> sketch artist of the creature from the Black Lagoon. And it's like, how dare you? <laughs> how dare you put that into this titty movie? <laughs> it looks better than the makeup. <laughs> Might as well draw the guy playing it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they only had limited resources in terms of the outfits and that, so there's a lot of switching of camera angles to make sure that you there's more of the humanoids than they actually have. Um, some of it does play out like a slasher film, but it just looks so gormless with these kind of guys in even the so they had they employed stuntmen to be the humanoids, but the stuntmen just turned around and said, "I look fucking ridiculous. I'm not doing this." This, in the, the, they, they reckon that the suits could cause them more harm, uh, and so they they abandoned it, and 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 they just got regular people to come and be. <laughs> and and the arms the almost look like Freddy Krueger in the first Nightmare on Elm Street. They do. They've got where they elongated they go, arms. Yeah, it looks like he's he's taking up the whole alley. You I'm know, not like, sure. How do you lift these fucking things? Yeah, I'm. I'm not sure what part of a fucking salmon that is at all. I've no idea. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and what? What? What else? I love was as well. They have the salmon festival, which the humanoids invade, and they they have this young girl who's this year's Miss Salmon. <laughs> Sat there with a sash on. She gets attacked. She gets a bikini ripped off. That's and what I was going to mention. <laughs> yeah, she's she's fighting the humanoids naked. It's just what the hell? <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's like every every man, every woman that ran past these you know, these humanoids got a top pulled off, <laughs> <laughs> and the men die. Yeah, all the men die. <laughs> yeah, this. <laughs> but it's it's it's. It's gone to move on to be a cult classic, right? It has. I mean, it it has. has. And I think it spawned a sequel. Did it really? 
or a remake. A re oh, it had a remake. Remake. Yeah, it had a remake. A yes. remake in the nineties, which Jesus. I bought by accident years ago because I was I was looking for the original purely for research purposes, um, <laughs> and I ended up buying the wrong version. And I sat watched it and just thought, yeah. No, <laughs> this is terrible. I think it was a TV movie, if I remember right. Much like the Piranha. Um, yeah. I think there must have been a phase of remaking Corman's films uh, for television back in the mid-90s, and this was one of those. Uh, Certainly the gr gratuitous nude shots are not there. No. No, no it's... No. it's <laughs> but, yeah, a pretty, you know, pretty awful guilty pleasure, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I but you know, it's it's uh, it's it's certainly you know they should have renamed it the horny the horny salmon right or something like that the angry you salmon know, the angry salmon or the uh, <laughs> or the guilty tuna or something like that <laughs> but yeah it's, it's <laughs> oh I, I, what I, else I, have you got I, I got on my list now two thousand one's Dagon and I just watched it this afternoon did you I did. I'll, I'll, I'll save your review at the end. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Directed by Stuart Gordon. And it's who, Dagon. Da, whatever. Dagon, Dagon. <laughs> Dagoon. Dagon. Dagoon. <laughs> That's what I'm going to call it now. Ladies and gentlemen, 2001's Dagoon. Uh, directed by who we just lost, Stuart Gordon. Yeah. We lost him recently. And and uh, written by Dennis uh, Pioli. Uh, that, those, two, those two guys have worked on Reanimator. Uh, the Beyond, anything like that, you know, they're basically HP Lovecraft fans. Yeah. Uh, and this movie's definitely out of HP Lovecraft, uh, but it's a short Boy. story. Um, so with this, uh, if anyone hasn't seen it, it's about this couple, Paul and Barbara. You know, they're on some kind of uh, yeah, I guess a pleasure cruise with another couple. Uh, they run aground into a uh, off. So before you go on, can you explain that to me? Because the couples of d different age brackets are they? I thought that they were uh, father and mother. With, with yeah, 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 yeah. yeah they're, they're not. They're, they're probably, not. They're just friends. nah. It's probably like his boss and his wife, you know, and oh, then okay. the, uh, the younger ahead. couple. Who knows what they are? They're they're friends. You could be any age to be a friend, yeah. I guess, yeah. unless you're, you know, older and, and someone's in <laughs> kitty garden. <laughs> um, but yeah, they're they run aground into an off. Uh, and often uh, ashore of a fishing village off Spain, hit a couple of rocks. Now Paul's been having visions of a, of a mermaid with razor sharp teeth. Uh, he's been can't get her can't get her out of her mind out of his mind. Uh, so he goes to shore trying to find help, but while he's gone, the boat gets attacked by some kind of creature. Uh, so they don't. This town does not want. Paul here. It's supposed to be kept a secret. Um, but we later find out the reason why is because these people are mixed in with fish. <laughs> They're kind of humanized fish. Kind of like Davy Jones from the uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Kind of like that type yeah, of... That's a good type yeah. of look. You know, they got yeah. little octopus tentacles and everything. So they find out that this village is not what it, what it is. Try to escape. They can't escape. They enlist the help of one of the last humans, uh, an old man, uh, um, Ezekiel, I think his name is. I could be wrong, but we'll call him that. To help him out, he reluctantly agrees. They capture Paul. 
and they tie him up and the guy that was helping him and flay him in front of his eyes. Yeah. They rip his face off. <laughs> I'll, that's not a bad effect. No, uh, no, that was very good. Yeah, there's some effects in this film which are just like, did you do this at home on your computer yourself? Or? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so as, as Paul's running away after this whole filleting, he meets the girl of his dreams. Literally of his dreams. And winds up falling in love with her on, you know, love at first sight. And uh, man handles her and realizes that her legs are octopus legs. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and he's pleading. She's pleading with him. Stay here. You know, you have to stay. This is your destiny to stay here. I've been dreaming about you. Now, he winds up escaping again. And I'll get to the end of this movie where, you know, they're sacrificing Barbara and... His, the couple that was with him, they're all dead. You know, the woman killed herself, and he and the, her husband is dead. Um, Barbara's going to be sacrificed to Dagon, and um, she does. She gets lowered into the pit. She comes, Paul comes back, you know, rescues her, brings her up. She's covered in some kind of slime when she comes back up. And it finds, found out that that sea god raped her. Uh, oh, what, when she went down? When she first. went down. Yeah. So okay. we find out that all the inhabitants... There's a lot this, of fish fucking in this yeah, podcast yeah, a lot, this a lot week. Of fish fornication. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, the, the, the inhabitants... Paul finds out the inhabitants of that island are the children of this undersea god that their forefathers had prayed for because it was a town on decline. So... So Dagon, you know, gave them fish, gave them gold, but requested blood sacrifices. And this is where we get the inhabitants. They're all his children. Uh, then it's later found out that Paul is one of his children as well. And he doesn't want to hear that. And he sets himself on fire uh, because as Barbara was getting released up, uh, Dagon came down and pulled her and left her arms, you know, in the yeah, yeah. handcuffs. And like a lion side. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you at the party, Barbara. Uh, <laughs> so he winds up burning himself to death. But uh, I think her name is uh, Yuxa. Yuxa is the, is the girl, the mermaid girl. She saves him. But it was found out that they're actually brother and yeah. sister. Mm. Uh, U-X-I-A. Yeah, they're, they're half brother and sister. Their father is kind of the leader of the group. He's uh, He's... 100% fish man. <laughs> He's, she saves him. He sprouts gills on the, on his side of his uh, torso. And they swim off. Happily ever after. You know, fuck Barbara, yeah. Paul says. <laughs> you know, I'm going to live with my mermaid girlfriend now. It's, it's a type of movie that is... Now, Darren, you may, since you just recently watched this, there's not a dry spot in this whole fucking movie, is there? No, it rockets along. It, yeah. It, it really does. And it's um, wet. Everything is wet. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it, after you watch this movie, you felt like you either had a shower or a bath. Uh, it's, yeah, that, yeah. There's so, there's so much water around it. But if you love, you know, that, um, uh, the, the, the uh, the Call of uh, Cthulhu or anything like that. <laughs> Any of that HP Lovecraftian type movie. You'll love this movie. Uh, I like it. I personally like it. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think? I, 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 
acquired taste. If it if it hadn't have been as pacey as it was, then I probably would have, and I wouldn't have done because you bought it to me and I needed to watch it. But had it have been on TV and I'd have started watching it, I probably would have turned it off. Um, it was so pacey though, and there was so much going on that no matter how good or bad the effects work was, I kind of got drawn into it. And you know, all these guys with gills running around and uh, mermaids and God knows what else. It was it was interesting to watch. I actually thought the the lead guy in his orange jumper, mm-hmm. I, I and you know why they had him wear orange because everybody else was wearing dark everybody else and it was in the dark all the time you had to you know be able to distinguish you know who he was from everybody so i thought he was decent i thought he was good i thought that everyone else uh, barbara was pretty good as well everyone else was a little bit kind of hmm (laughs) (laughs) there was some terrible (laughs) effects work in it the Mm -hmm. bit with the boat at the start you know, on the ocean, it looked like, again, looked like he'd done it in Microsoft Paint or something. And there was also the scene where the mermaid, I think she knocks on the door or something, and, and then all the tentacles come out of her mouth. Um, again, that just looked like somebody had knocked that up in their bedroom. Um, and then finally, when we get to see Dagon, it's it's like an ink blot or something. that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But, you know... It does have some jumps in it. When when he takes Barbara for the final time, you're like, oh, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, you know, the the fact that it was Brian Yusner and and Stuart Gordon that were involved made me interested. But they obviously had to go to Europe to get this made. They made us made in Spain, yep. Yeah, yeah. And and, and the guy... um, the old guy, I can't remember, the guy who gets flailed, I really struggled with what he was saying. Now, he's a really famous Spanish actor, apparently, he is. isn't he? Yep, he, he is. died just after the production ended. Um, but he was kind of talking like this all the time. You know, yeah, yeah. fucking fish and all that. <laughs> I couldn't tell what the hell he was saying. Um, and so, yeah, that kind of took me out of a bit a little bit. But it was fine. It was fine. And it definitely is an alternative to a Jaws ripoff to go in this Underwater Terrors episode. And what I hate, what a lot of critics are saying about probably a lot of movies that we were talking about, everything's got to be an Aliens ripoff. Yeah. If it's in water, it's, oh, it's Aliens. You know, for fuck's sake, you, you know, it, it's, nobody says Creature from the Black Lagoon was Aliens because it was the first major underwater terror. Yeah. You know, and but everyone says you know oh it's it's like aliens you know no, fuck you you know it's not aliens <laughs> and not everything underwater or in space got to be aliens gravity oh with Sandra Bullock eh, it's only aliens <laughs> you know uh, but I like Dagon I first saw it on the Sci-Fi Network and of course they cut a lot of scenes out and uh, when he's getting flayed Ezekiel um, uh, he's citing the Lord's prayer. And Paul's, I guess, saying it back in English. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's, I, I call it one of those culty classics now. You probably have it on the shelf. If you're going to watch a, you know, like Reanimator and The Beyond, you're probably going to watch this too if you're going to do a HP uh, Lovecraft marathon. It's going to be yeah, yeah. in there. And HP Lovecraft was fucked up to begin with. His mind yeah, yeah. 
you know, was was not right. Um, died very young too, anyway. But yeah, so that that's that's that movie. <laughs> so do we have any? I mean, that's that's everything that I've watched. Um, is that everything you've watched? I've got one more. Okay, uh, go for it. Real real quick blip. Uh, hmm. 2020's Underwater. Kristen Stewart. Ah, good. Another another alien movie. For Christ's sake, <laughs> um, didn't do too well, you know. But it's I liked it. I I, I thought it was you know jumpy, it, it was scary. You know the, the sea monsters in it only got bigger and bigger, um, especially at the end. Yeah, where it was uh, where it was Cthulhu that the director actually said, you know, that's that's him. It's actually him. Yeah, yeah. And all the monsters are swimming around him and everything. Uh, I'm not really a big fan of Kristen Stewart. Not, sure. yeah. not really. Um, TG, uh, TJ Miller, I could actually do without because I don't like that thing about Little Paul and the stuffed bear and everything like that. It kind of threw me out a little bit. Cthulhu is actually how I should Cthulhu. pronounce it. Cthulhu. But, you know, it was. Um, it didn't do too well at the box office. Uh, but you know, dealt with you know under uh, underwater sea disaster and everything, uh, and they're trying to get to the pods, you know, running away from these sea monsters that are really deep, like I guess like seven miles below the surface. But it didn't do too well because it was released with kind of I guess considerable blockbuster movies too alongside it. Uh, Just Mercy with uh, Michael B. Jordan and also yeah. 1917. Uh, oh wow! It wasn't going to do anything. It didn't get a release in the UK, unfortunately. Really? I have it... seen, well, it did eventually, but um, it was it was one of the kind of fatalities of the pandemic. I think yeah, it was due it came, to be released. Like February, I think. It yeah, yeah. It was yeah. due to be released, and then it was pulled, and it was sent straight to streaming. But I did watch it, and I, I, I had little expectation from it, so I came out of it kind of... Suitably, like yeah, it was satisfied. I was satisfied with it. it was I think we're, we'll call underwater our honorable mentioned. Yeah, you know, it's it's we don't really go for the uh, you know the recently released stuff or anything like that. Um, but I just had to throw it on there because you know I thought it was okay. You yeah, know, it's, it's it's probably a movie that a lot of people haven't seen yet. Um, it's actually still it's actually fast paced, mm. moves yeah. quick. Well. With water, you have to be fast-paced. I think you will agree, Darren. You can't... Water doesn't sit there for you. <laughs> no. <laughs> and we can't all walk on it. <laughs> no. No. But, you know... But that's our underwater terrors. I think we're going to have to do a part two uh, eventually. Yeah, I think, I, I so think we should do that. There's so much more. I mean, you, you, you know, you could... So, I mean, it would be great fun to talk about Jaws 3 and Jaws 4. Um, Christ. <laughs> there's, there's Alligator, as we mentioned before. Mm. There's Rogue, which is Greg McLean's uh, crocodile movie, which is great fun. Um, that, Greg McLean, who did Wolf Creek and Wolf Creek 2, great Australian horror director, uh, did, did Rogue in, I think it was 2007. Crawl, as I mentioned before, which came out a couple of years ago, again, which is a really, really fun uh, alligator movie. Killer Fish with Lee Majors from the late yeah, 70s, yeah, if you remember yeah, that. Yeah. Um, there, there's there's a ton of stuff that we could boat get load. our teeth into. <laughs> a boatload, yeah, yeah. Uh, and we, so we should we should come back to this at some stage, I think, because there's, there's only so much underwater Maybe terror chud. I can <laughs> chud. <laughs> chud. <laughs> Jesus. 
So, Darren, what we got coming up next week? Next week, next week, what is it now? Oh, next week we said we'd do the Terminator franchise, I believe. Yeah, who doesn't like the Terminator franchise? Yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. I think specifically the first Terminator. I'm not massively fond of the other ones. Two speaks to me, but um, the rest of them, uh, I'm not sure. Don't forget you can reach out to us at tslmoviepodcast at gmail.com and again on Facebook, uh, Slaughtered Lamb Movie Podcast. Uh, whack an invite across a, an inv- uh, invite do they call them invites I don't know a request a yeah. request and we'll let you in so yeah I think that's yeah. about it for this week and uh, as always stick to the roads and the best of luck <laughs>